Welcome back. This is the Liberty on Fire podcast. I'm your host, Libertarian Tony, and I'm going to be joined by Conservative Joey. So happy that you're here joining us. If this is your first time, then thank you for being here. If, on the other hand, you are a dedicated and regular listener, I just want to tell you how much I appreciate that you come and listen to each and every show. Hey, Joey, welcome back to the Liberty on Fire podcast. How are you doing? Hey, Tony, how are you doing? I'm doing good. I'm doing pretty good. I'm, uh, I'm pretty happy with my fantasy football team. I was able to uh, beat, uh, should we say her name? on the podcast. I don't think we should. She might get upset. I don't know if she's going to listen anyway. But anyway, uh, I was very happy with the how I did week one. And then I ended up coming across the article. Where is the article here? So you have this CNN's climate crisis town hall on September 5th. And of course, that made me sad. So excellent weekend for fantasy football. And then all of a sudden, boom. All right, there. The hysterics are back at it. Okay, so I'm going to just talk about this a little bit, and I'm going to go to you for the details because you're, you're the real research guy behind all this, right? Uh, maybe a little bit. I, I wouldn't say that. But first, uh, in your fantasy football victory, you're at one win. So what does that put you at, like one more win away from your best record? That's probably pretty close. Yeah. Oh, okay. So I, at least I, I started out in the right direction. <laughs> Yeah, that's good. Yeah, I think the town hall you're referring to, by the way, was seven hours long. Oh, my God. I would want to shoot myself. Yeah, uh, there, there's studies show that if you actually listen to the full thing, it has more of a detriment on your uh, well-being than climate change could ever have in the next hundred years. That definitely sounds true. I don't even want to fact check that one. That just sounds right. Yeah. So anyway, this whole climate change thing is supposed to be some sort of existential threat to humanity. But is it, is it really, I mean, then like big picture wise, then why do we bother talking about anything else? Like if the world is going to end in 10 years or 12 years, whatever they're saying now, well then why does the minimum wage matter? Why does abortion matter? Why does, you know, equal rights matter? I mean, the world's going to end, right? So they still want to talk about all these other issues, but still Climate change is going to wipe out the entire planet in 12 years. So that, that's how you know the whole thing's a hoax from the beginning. But some of the crazy things that went on at this town hall, it's like they want to ban fracking. They want to ban fossil fuels. They want to ban nuclear energy. They're going to ban offshore drilling. They want to ban plastic straws. They want to tax carbon. They want everybody to eat less red meat. So, and then some of these environmentalists and people are saying that we just have too many people on the planet. Uh, we should stop having kids or something. Or maybe some of them believe that we should have some sort of huge war and kill millions of people, have some sort of mass extinction event. I think some environmentalists would probably be happy about that. And I, I think even Bernie in the town hall said something about favoring uh, abortion in third world countries for population control. Mm -hmm. I mean, just some really outlandish things. Now, why are all these climate hysterics still flying around on jets? And why did Obama buy a, like a $14 million beachfront house? And why aren't these, you know, hypocrites decreasing their own carbon footprint? What do you think of that, Joey? 
Uh, I think you had a good point when you said, why isn't it, you know, why are all these other talking points even being discussed? If you think the world's going to end in 12 years, I think you probably triggered a lot of people by saying it's a hoax. Um, I'm, I, I, that's one of the things for me is I don't have climate change or anything near the top of the list of my priorities, but I, but I don't deny it. I don't, I don't think the climate isn't, you know, changing. But it's just it's something that I don't have at the, the top of my list. And I'm hoping that people on the other side could at least respect that, maybe without getting super angry. I'm I'm just not a it's not one of the big points for me. And I think what the media is doing and the left narrative, uh, they're kind of saying that Republicans deny climate change and that makes them evil or stupid. And a lot of them, especially the Democratic you know, all these, the town halls and the debates, you know, talk about Trump needs to get out of the White House because he's a climate change denier. And, and you're a morally bad person if you deny climate change is happening. And they've gone a step further to say that you're a morally bad person to deny the solutions that we're proposing. And that's where I'm kind of at. I, I don't deny climate is changing, but I don't really care at all for the, the solutions that they're proposing. In fact, some of these solutions you know, have hindering effects on the economy and people in general, the the daily living prices that they'd have to pay for stuff. And they, they don't have any effect seemingly on the curbing their carbon emissions for the country. So I'm kind of like, hey, I, I understand climate change, but not what you guys are talking about. See, the, the reality to me is that climate change is going to happen in the next century. And we're going to have to put in place some sort of adaptations and mitigations. But not everyone's going to die. You know, there's going to be some costs in regards to people having to move maybe around the coastlines. And uh, there might be some new costs to new geoengineering. But um, the reality to me is it's, it's, it's not a myth. It's a thing that's happening. But there's just serious questions about how much climate change is going to happen. Uh, and over the course of the next century, climate scientists don't know if we're going to warm two degrees Celsius or six degrees, which is a huge variation. You know, and there, there's certain estimates that, that say we're on the low end. There's some that say we're on the high end. But the left narrative and some of the media is that we're on the high end. And they suggest all sorts of horrible, unforeseeable things that are going to happen, like massive tsunamis are going to emerge and wipe out major cities from the coastlines, uh, which isn't scientifically predictable. You know, it's just unfounded speculation. So someone like myself, who's a little bit lukewarm, believes that human activity does contribute. But even though it contributes, we don't know the sensitivity to the climate that we uh, contribute to. And uh, there's so there's really nothing to say what results of harsh regulatory policies would, would even occur. And that uh, we're able to mitigate against a lot of these effects of climate change. Yeah, I, I mean, I'm not going to debunk climate change. I, so I agree with you. I think actually the climate is changing, and it, it changes all the time. And it uh, much of it might be due to man or from man-made sources. But, you know, there's a couple of things we do know. We do know the planet used to be much, much warmer as well as much colder. In mm -hmm. fact, you know, the last ice age just ended about 12,000 years ago. And the planet is billions of years old. And so I don't know if people really understand what a tiny blip of time our, you know, these so-called climate scientists are using to predict this climate disaster. It doesn't even show up on that scale. So am I supposed to believe that if the climate, 
you know, the planet increases by a few degrees Celsius, that it's going to be a disaster? I mean, how do we know? I mean, I don't think they can predict it. It could be better. Parts of the planet could actually benefit from an increase in temperature, and other parts of the planet could do worse. They really have no idea what the change could, could be. And then, like you were saying, you know, we adapt. It, there's mm -hmm. a reason why thousands of years ago people froze to death or they overheated in the summer and they died. I mean, we have air conditioning for the summer and we have good insulation for houses now. I mean, that, that's what humans do. They use their brain and they adapt. And I have every confidence in the fact that, you know, mankind will continue to adapt to changes in the environment. That's what we do. Yeah, I'm a I'm a big believer in fr the free market and private sector rising to to come up with answers to problems. So I, I just like I said, it's not something I'm particularly super worried about. And I I for people who are generally genuinely worried, I I'm not, you know, criticizing them. I just want to say that I am not, you know, and may, they may be. So it's something that we should respect each other's difference of opinion, in my opinion. Not like say that, oh, you, you don't have climate change and the environment at the top of your list. You're, you're, you know, morally failing, you know, and vice versa. That you shouldn't say you're stupid because you believe in, in climate change, in my opinion. But the problem to me too is it's it's just it's a global thing. Like there's there's most of these solutions or, or these policies talk about U.S. But you know it, it there's no such thing as the the United States, you know, atmosphere or environment. You know, you know global. It's about the global CO2 emissions. If you're talking about man-made, you know, contributions to to climate change and how are you going to stop you know these other countries from from. I mean, nothing that's proposed takes into account China and India. You know, so I don't find the solutions very effective for climate change. If anything, they're just counterproductive. They hurt American citizens and make the rest of the world poorer. Right. So, I mean, the, the people out there arguing for it, they're saying that, you know, America needs to lead by example, which means really we would significantly cut back on our standard of living. You know, things would kind of really get difficult for Americans. And then you got to hope that these other countries follow suit, which they won't do. I, I do understand that that thinking. Okay, yeah, they might say, yeah, lead by example, you know. But it's just hard for me to get on board with a policy, that, you know, that might really increase the cost of the energy sector for, for us in America or something on the hopes that other developing countries are just going to care all of a sudden as well. You know, there's a study that shows that countries start to care about environmentalism when their GDP per capita hits around $30 per capita, which a lot of countries don't have. You know, so poorer developing countries aren't going to just buy into any environmental policy until until they're richer, really, is what that study shows. But again, like, you know, if I can go over some of the, the costs or, or the trends, sorry, of greenhouse gas emissions for the major economies, if, if I can. Absolutely. The, the U.S. has held steady from around 1990. I know you're talking about you can't cherry pick small sample size, but from the what I could find, you know, 1990, it's about 30 years back. We've been steady since then with actually a downtrend since around the early 2000s. And that's around the same for the EU. And China is the number one country for greenhouse gas emissions at around 12,500 metric tons, which is double what the United States is doing currently. And China has been trending up 
since the 90s on a steady track. There is no dips down or anything. It's just a steady track up and then a rapid ascent since the early 2000s. India, they're like third. They're on a steady trend higher for emissions as well since the 1990s. Um, so in other words, like the U.S. and the EU can both drastically cut down on their greenhouse gas emissions. But if China and India don't follow suit, then it's just uh, you know a moot effort. And all these U.S. Pol- you know all the policies that I hear just are things that would hinder economic growth, make things more expensive for American citizens in the name of climate change. But they don't guarantee that China and India and these other developing countries are also going to drastically reverse their trend. So. Um, this climate change policy that I, the ones that I hear, they have no effect on the climate. They only have a negative effect on U.S. economy. So how, how to me, how is it a good? How am I supposed to be behind something that really would have no effect on the climate, but only affect the the economy and the people here? Right. Yeah. I mean, so they'll. I think they'll say like, well, we have to try, right? But but where's the evidence? I mean, we already have evidence. Like China. You know, China signed up for the Paris Accords, the Paris Climate Accords. The U.S. backed out. But the but China, you know, the U.S. reduced their emissions during that time, and China didn't reduce their emissions, even though they signed under the court. So, I mean, where do you think? How could you think that you're going to just going to trust the rest of the world's going to follow suit? No, they won't. I, I, they want to catch up and or you know, I guess advance their cultures and their economy. So there, there's really no incentive for them at all to cut back. And how can we, as a developed nation, you know, kind of deny? other nations to do the same. And like you were saying before, once they reach a certain level of GDP, and you know, I, I would say once they adopt kind of more uh, capitalist, uh, laissez-faire attitudes, uh, people don't want to live in squalor. They don't want to live with pollution. They're going to want to clean up their environment. And yeah, they might make uh, a little bit of a mess along the way, but we certainly did, and other countries did, that kind of uh, modernized, uh, and they will too. It, but if we maybe we can help them make less of a mess, but of course they're gonna uh, they're gonna crack some eggs along the way. But then eventually, their people and their governments aren't gonna want to have the pollution, and they're gonna want to clean things up just like we have. So in the show notes, I'm actually gonna link to the research done by Bob Murphy, who's a great economist. And he's put a lot of work into this climate change question. And, you know, if the listeners want some more in-depth analysis, you know, in my opinion, he's one of the go-to people. And, I mean, he's looked at the data and all the published research by the people who actually think that climate change is a problem. And and based on uh, work by this this guy, Yale economist William Nordhaus, he won, I guess, the 2018 Nobel Prize in Economics. Even this guy doesn't think... Uh, that achieving this like two Celsius degree limit is possible. So kind of like what you were saying. It's like he doesn't even think it's possible. And he's on the, you know, pro climate change, you know, side of the argument. Um, And based on some latest kind of like studies and developments in the scientific literature, planting trees and not a carbon tax supposedly is the best way to reduce the human contribution to atmospheric CO2. You know, so... What's the problem? Is it CO2? Well, if it is, then let's just plant some damn trees. Yeah, I've heard that from a lot of sources as well. And I, I don't know what is the problem with that. Like, that seems like a great idea to me. You know, one of the alternatives, and first, before I get into the alternatives, if, and I'll just touch on where the emissions are really coming from for, for you know, major economies and stuff. 
is um, the the majority of emissions, they're not coming from agriculture or land use change or waste. The, the majority of them are coming from the energy sector, right? So electricity, heat, transportation, manufacturing, construction. So it's, it's coming from energy grids and people just trying to live in the modern world, right? Have electricity, heat, and drive their cars, right? So if, if you're attempting to curb the degree of human activity involved in climate change, the, the energy sector should be the number one thing you're targeting, right? But the alternatives to things like natural gas, coal, and nuclear, which are the forms we're using right now, the, the alternatives they're talking about are, are things like solar power, wind, uh, maybe some sort of like uh, battery source. But if you look at the levelized cost of energy, which levelized cost is basically an apples-to-apples apples comparison because it takes into account the cost of financing, building, operating, and maintaining all the, you know, and it's expressed in megawatts per hour. So if you take a look at that, coal is around 50 megawatts per hour, $50 megawatts per hour. Natural gas is around 40. Nuclear is around 100. But the alternatives that they're talking about, like solar, is, is solar on industrial rooftops is 150. Solar on residential rooftops is over 200 geothermal is 100 so wind is the only one that is around the same price as the current that would be a clean source but it's just not practical because where are you going to build all these wind farms so the reason i'm bringing that up is because you mentioned trees i'm thinking why not just in anywhere you would you would think about conceivably conceivably building wind farms uh onshore well, why don't we just plant a bunch of trees that's what i'm thinking yeah that sounds good to me i i guess then it, you have to bring up the whole you know, big picture question. So what's it all about, right? It, I, in my opinion, it, it's about power. It's about political power and control. Politicians have used fear-mongering for hundreds and probably thousands of years to exert control over people. I mean, this is a tried and true tactic of trying to control and influence people, uh, play on people's fears, and tell them that you can fix it and if you vote for me and not the other guy, and we'll get it done, and we'll save you. I, I listened to that uh, Ben Shapiro podcast on climate uh, on the climate change town hall, right? And he mm. gets, uh, I guess, specific on details and everything, and makes some you know logical sense, scientific arguments, and um, you know from his point of view. But I and I largely, I mean, I agree with all that, but I, I still I think he misses the big picture as well. And he misses the entire reason the left is pushing for a Green New Deal uh, or, or legislation on climate change. And mm. to me, it's not about CO2. It, it's, it's just, it's not about the environment. These politicians don't care about that. It's all about politics. It's all about their ability to control people and control, more importantly for them, the money involved in the industry. So it's, a, it's about the power you gain from being in charge. So for me, that's the big picture. So Ben Shapiro is debating the environmentalists on the details, none of which people pay much attention to. So if you know the details, then your mind is already made up on this issue. Okay, Joey, what do you want to say? Well, I was going to say, uh, maybe you're right about the, the big picture and the politicians, but the people who have it at the number one of their list, like the, the people who vote Democrat and care about in the environment and stuff, I think they're looking at details or they're trying to, you know, and they're not, you know, looking at the same, you know, whatever control the politicians are, or their perspective of it is. There's, there's people that actually are thinking this stuff. So I, th I do think countering some of that with details is important. 
you know, to look at the numbers and, and, and see that stuff like natural gas is the cleanest fossil fuel emitting half as much CO2 um, as coal. So, you know, why, why aren't we looking to shift electricity usage from, from natural gas? And like, you know, details like that, I think are, are important to have a discussion with people on the opposite side. I guess, I guess for me, it's like, so you have one side that will bring out their experts and then the other side brings out their experts that are, will say the complete opposite. And then people are, are left to like try to think like, uh oh, what is it really about? Should I listen to these experts over here or are those experts over there? And because that's kind of like what you said earlier, that you can't take a cherry-picked range of years and come up with you know factual statements about the climate change based on that, you know, and that and that's what that's where you're getting. Like if I go look up something, I could find things talking my point of view. If someone else from you know who's more a liberal and Democrat. They, they'll find stuff that really backs them. It's, it's really easy to find things on this climate topic that backs the point of view you you kind of have because it's easy to cherry pick. You know, so that's basically why I'm like, well, can I, can I at least have the position of let's slow down on the, the gigantic radical changes in the name of climate change before we really can even understand the uh, overall effect that they'll have? And maybe look a little bit into the effects that they will have on the U.S. economy. Uh, yeah, I guess so. I mean, it makes sense to I think slow down, but the uh, the crazy or the the environmental, I guess extremists. Um, again, I, I honestly I think they use the details to try to get what they want, right? I don't think they even care about the details as long as it tells the story that they want to hear. The details, in my opinion, are, are pretty much just a big smokescreen for the real agenda, which is really no different than the agenda for, you know, endless war or the war on drugs or the war on poverty or the FDR New Deal legislation. I mean, this agenda has not changed for hundreds or even, let's say, thousands of years if you go back far enough, right? All the different things that different governments wanted to do, but it's all about power control and for me, it, power over the people, power over the control of the flow of money is really all it, it amounts to. And it's all wrapped up in a green climate change bow, right? So, it, I mean, think about how clever it is. And it becomes obvious, right, at this point, to me at least, that you have something, let's say, like social security because you have to, you know, you have to save for retirement for people because they're not smart enough to do it on their own. So you need more government for that, which means more votes and, you know, more political power. And you have welfare for the poor because the poor are too dumb to get jobs and they, you know, they can't take care of themselves, that kind of thing. So you know what? You need more government for that. So more political power. You have the whole fear of terrorism and uh, Russia and who's going to protect you? Well, of course, government's going to protect you. So you have to vote for me so we can you know, protect you from those crazy Russians. It's basically, to me, it's the same playbook over and over again. It's all about power. And to me, this is why the Republicans always lose the debate. The leftists are kind of arguing on that emotional level, like the world is going to end because of climate change. But the right is arguing on details, logic, rationality, and guess what? The emotional argument always wins. The, the right, the conservatives, or whatever you want to call them, 
aren't really doing it the best way. They need to learn from the left that and say things like, these environmentalists are going to impoverish you. They're going to tax you to death. Your standard of living will go down significantly. The cost of everything, especially energy, gas, meat, is going to skyrocket. The cost of airfare is going to skyrocket. And these leftist politicians will happily fly around and you know, spreading their hypocritical message of, of fear and enjoying their privileged lifestyle while you suffer. Well, talking about the effects of policies is at least a good you know, discussion to have. I think there's too many people on the, on the right side who do deny that climate is changing. And, I think, and you don't have to deny that it's changing to sort of be opposite of, of the, the Democrats' point of view. Like, I don't deny that it's changing, so I don't have to start my conversation off like, I, I, I think you're crazy, nothing's going on. So, yeah, I, I agree with you, Joey, that it, I think it's good to have conversations about these things and not to completely shut down the other mm-hmm. side of the debate. So, you know, if you come out with some of your facts and details that you want to talk about, and the other side is just calling you names and a climate denier and all that. Well, that, that's not helpful, right? They don't really want to have a conversation. Is if you're, you're showing up with kind of real details to discuss and facts that, you know, you feel are important that you would like someone to refute, right? You would like them to mm. prove you wrong so that you, they can possibly change your mind on it or make you think about it differently. But if they're just going to come out and call you a name... Well, then that's that's retarded, right? No, that's that doesn't help bring the debate forward. It doesn't help the conversation. And yeah, if they want to get into detailed arguments, that's great, because that, that's the kind of stuff I, I would like to see. I'd like to see more conversation about it rather than one side calling the other side names and then, you know, everybody just kind of picking their, their sides and going a separate way. What do you think? Right. And that's kind of what I meant. Like, I don't think people on the right should say that climate change doesn't is a hoax um i'm not sure if that's what you meant when you said it's a hoax but they should talk about why it's not at the top of their list you know like i said before it's not at the top of my list but i i think you know that position should be respected you know there's reasons why i don't have it at the top of my list based off some numbers and based off the the policies that are being proposed i just don't agree with it's not that uh, we're climate deni- change deniers. Correct. Yeah. So I, I agree. For me, pollution. Yeah. That, I mean, that's important. I, I don't want to, you know, I don't want companies to pollute. I don't want governments to pollute. Actually, you know, it's funny. I think governments are the biggest polluters around the world and not companies. But anyway, aside from that, it, it's, yeah, I, I want to have the conversation. I, I do think uh, the whole pollution part of it is important. I'm not terribly worried about climate change. I do think the climate is changing. Uh, I don't think that is going to be a disaster, and I do think people will adapt. Uh, and we always have, and I think we always will. To shut down one side of the argument doesn't make sense. We should talk about it all, but everybody, like you say, like you're saying, has they have their own priorities. They have their own priority list, and for a lot of people. I, I think it's a losing issue to make this like the number one issue of the election. I, I don't think it's really, a, a, it's not even a top 10 issue for probably a lot of people. Okay, I'm going to make one more comment, uh, especially about what I said about the climate change being a hoax. I don't think it's necessarily a hoax from the point of view of the average voter out there, the average you know, envir- uh, environmentally friendly person or uh, leftist who happens to believe 
that it might be an issue. I believe it's a hoax on the political side. I think the politicians are the ones perpetrating the hoax. So, I mean, nobody wants to believe that they're being lied to, right? That's a tough pill to swallow. And again, nobody wants to believe that they were lied to and they actually believed it, right? That's almost even worse. So when I say the whole climate change issue is a hoax, I'm talking about the politicians who are probably insincere about it and using it just to gain more control and influence over the money and to accumulate more power for themselves. I don't believe any of these politicians care about you. I don't believe they care about the environment, but they do a pretty good job getting out there and on the news shows and talking about it, don't they? Now, if you're placing your faith in politics and in politicians in general, I really think you're doing yourself a disservice and you're setting yourself up for major disappointments. And I'm sorry, I know I just said I had one more point to make, but that's not entirely true. There was an additional point, so here it goes. Okay, I just want to speak to this whole issue or thing that people say that the, you know, climate change is settled science. So let's just brainstorm here. What has science settled in the past? In particular, uh, medicine, which is my field. Let's talk about some of the things medicine uh, has supposedly settled. Okay. At one point in time, doctors were bloodletting, so they were causing patients to bleed in order to treat them for some sort of ailment. Uh, doctors told us at one point that a high-carb, low-fat diet was safe, which now we all know pretty much causes diabetes and has caused the diabetic epidemic uh, across the country. Uh, peptic ulcers were caused by stress and not a bacteria. That smoking at one point was thought to be safe, and doctors even commented on it in advertisements of which brand they preferred. Lobotomies were used at one point to cure, uh, as a cure for mental illness. Uh, thalidomide and Vioxx were thought to be safe. Uh, doctors at one time didn't think that they had to wash their hands between patients or surgeries or between delivering babies. So was science settled on all these things? I mean, science is not about consensus. A good scientist will tell you that science is never settled. It is always changing. Science is a constant search for the truth. And the very last place you're going to find truth is in Washington, D.C. So when someone tells you that the science is settled, and most politicians are out there saying this, they're obviously lying. Well, that will do it for today. Thank you all for listening to the Liberty on Fire podcast. Please do me two favors. Number one is to share the show. Remember that we want to continue to advance the message of individual liberty, and sharing and growing the show is one of the best ways to do that. The second favor is to subscribe, rate, and review the show on iTunes. A five-star rating is much appreciated. Also, please check out our website, libertyonfire.org. Thank you very much. And until next time, let's keep those fires of liberty burning bright. (laughs) 